Well, welcome once again. It's so great to look out and see everybody here this morning. What a beautiful day. What a great, great opportunity. And, you know, this surely is undoubtedly the greatest story ever told. The story of the, the birth and the life and the, and the ministry and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's, there's nothing that parallels it. There's nothing that matches it in history. And, you know, as we sometimes will refer to it, as I just did, as a story, some, some would say, oh, well, you know, stories are just stories. They're not, they're not necessarily reality. But, but this is the story that's absolutely true. It's a true story. The resurrection really did happen. It really happened. Now, of course, there have always been those who have denied the resurrection, even going all the way back to the, just the, the very day of the event. And people are still doing that today. But we know, we know that this is a true story. How do we know that? How do we know the resurrection really happened? Well, several ways, but one of them is the same way we know anything else about the past. Those who witnessed it recorded it. You see, all historical knowledge is really based upon the testimony of those who were there. And the New Testament, the Gospels, the account that we read together this morning, these are the eyewitness testimony to the resurrection of Christ. Let me read to you from the Apostle Paul. This is what he wrote. He said, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again according to the Scriptures on the third day, and that he was seen by Peter, then by the twelve, after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James and by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. So Paul, writing just a few years after the event, can say that Many of the people that witnessed the resurrected Christ were, were still alive at that time. And then he points to himself. He says that I saw him. So we have this eyewitness testimony. Now the critics say and have said that the apostles fabricated the resurrection story. They say that they, they made this up. But, you know, if you just stop and think about it for a moment... There was absolutely no advantage uh, for them to, to make this story up. It is ludicrous to believe that the apostles willingly forfeited the comforts of life, their jobs and family and their financial security, and instead accepted ridicule, persecution, imprisonment, torture, and in many cases, horrible deaths, 
all the while knowing that the resurrection was a fabrication. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense that they would make the story up if it wasn't true. Because, like I said, it, it gave them no uh, earthly advantage. It put them at a great disadvantage. But of course, their eyes were fixed on another world because Christ did indeed rise. But it's not only the, the eyewitness accounts given to us in the historical record, but millions of personal encounters with the resurrected Christ resulting in transformed lives is also a strong evidence that the resurrection of Jesus really happened. And, you know, today people might say to you or to me, well, I don't believe that resurrection thing. And, you know, that couldn't have happened. And that's impossible. And, well, how do you know it happened? Well, we can point to the historical record, as I just did. But, you know, we can also say, look, I've met the risen Lord. I know him. I, I've come to personally experience him. And he has uh, impacted my life. He transformed my life. He changed me from one type of a person and made me somebody completely different. You see, it's the millions and millions of transformed lives all throughout history that are once again a strong testimony to uh, the validity of the resurrection. So the resurrection really did happen. And of course, the scriptures prophesied this as well. We have this, this ancient record that declared that this would indeed be the case, that the Messiah would come, he would suffer, he would die, but, but that he would rise again. And maybe you remember in the account of the resurrection in Luke's gospel how Jesus himself comes alongside two of these men that are walking along on the road to Emmaus and they're, they're heartbroken, they're grief-stricken. And of course, this was post-crucifixion, but prior to them realizing the resurrection and Jesus himself, the risen Savior, he comes alongside them. He says, he says, what? what are you so sad about as you're walking along and talking? And they said, what are we so sad about? Don't you know? Don't you know? Are you a stranger here in Jerusalem? Don't you know the things that have happened over the past few days? How Jesus of Nazareth, a, a prophet mighty in word and deed, we, we thought that he was the one to redeem Israel, but he was taken, he was crucified. And it's been three days and, and certain women from among us, they, they went to the tomb and they said that he's risen, but uh, you know, they were, they were in disbelief. And what did Jesus say? Oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have written. All that the prophets have written. And then he went back to Moses and the Psalms and the prophets and he showed them all of the places there in the scriptures that it was declared that he would come and that he would suffer and that he would die and that he would rise again. And so the resurrection of Jesus Christ really happened. And because it really happened, the resurrection confirms the claims of Christ. You see, Jesus said the most radical things that have ever been said by any person. There, there's nobody who said anything that, that could remotely compare to the things that Jesus said. Think of it. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. 
He who believes in me will never die. These were radical claims. He claimed that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one could come to God except through him. Jesus made extraordinary claims. He also claimed to be the bread of life, the light of the world. And listen, had Jesus simply made those claims, died on a cross, and stayed in the grave, those claims would be absolutely meaningless. But those claims are true. He is the light of the world. He is the bread of life. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And it was his resurrection that confirmed that his claims were claims of truth. And through the resurrection, he secured for us three things. Number one, he secured for us the forgiveness of sins. It says in Romans chapter 4, verse 25, it says, concerning Christ, it says that he was delivered up for our offenses. And we know that. We, we meditated on that on Friday, didn't we? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was delivered up for our offenses, Paul said. But then he says he was raised for our justification. You see, the resurrection of Jesus proves that the sacrifice that he made for our sin was accepted by God. The, the resurrection is really God's stamp of approval on that sacrifice. And so because Jesus is risen, we have forgiveness for the past. All of our sins are forgiven. All of the things that we've done throughout our lives, all of the evil things that we've thought and said and done, all of those things that have weighed us down and, and caused us to to experience guilt and all of those things that have brought pain and misery and suffering into the lives of, of people around us and into our own lives. All of those things have been forgiven. He was raised for our justification. And justification means that we have been declared righteous. Even though we are not righteous, we've been declared righteous because of his resurrection. And so there's forgiveness for the past, but there's also power for the present. There's power for the present. That, that sin that dominated our lives, that sin that controlled us, that sin that, that was destroying our lives, the power of sin has been broken. He breaks the power of canceled sin, the, the hymnist wrote. And that's exactly what has happened. We have power for the present. Romans 8, 11, Paul says, listen, but if the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What a wonderful reality. And that goes back to what I said a moment ago, the transformed lives. How do we explain the transformed lives? It's because that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. 
and he's raised us from out of death. Having been dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. And so today we have power over sin. We have the victory over sin. We know how, we're, we're no longer living under the guilt of sin. We're no longer uh, in bondage to sin. We're no longer under the tyranny of sin. We've been set free through the resurrection of Christ. And then thirdly and finally, we have hope for the future. We have hope for the future. And as Peter put it so beautifully, we have a living hope. Listen to what he said. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again, here it is, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away and it is reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. It's a living hope. As we think about the future, as we look into the future, as we look at the immediate future, as we look at the world and the state that it's in, we think, what, what hope is there? It's seemingly growing more hopeless all the time. But we have a hope that transcends this life. We have a hope that goes beyond this life. We have a living hope that goes into eternity. And as Jesus said, because I live, you shall live also. And so the power of the grave has been stripped. And now we no longer look at the grave with fear and dread, but we look at it as just simply that, that means of transition from this fallen, corrupted world into that glorious, eternal world that God has in store for us. We have hope for the future. This message of the resurrection is both universal and it's personal. It's universal in that its application is, is for everyone. Christ died for everyone and he rose for everyone so that everyone could be justified. It's a universal message. It's a message that, that is for all people in all places at all time in every culture in every language. It's not just for a particular group somewhere. It's for everyone. It's a universal message, but it's also personal. It's for the individual. The message is ultimately a person. And I love what Jesus said. And I always think of that. Every time I read John chapter 11 and the story of the raising of Lazarus, and you remember the story as Lazarus had died and Martha and Mary were there, the sisters of Lazarus, and Jesus had come late. And uh, he, when he finally arrived in the village, they said, Lord, if you had been here, my, my brother would not have died. And Jesus said, your brother will live again. And, and Martha says, oh, I know he's going to live again at the resurrection of the last day. They were good Jewish women. 
They understood that there would be a resurrection. I know, Lord, that he's going to rise on the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said this, and I, I think he said it like this. I think he said, Martha, I am the resurrection. Mar Martha's thinking of the resurrection as this event, which, of course, it is. There will be a great resurrection. But that great resurrection, that event is tied to this person. Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He is the resurrection and the life. It's a person, Jesus Christ, God's Son. It's a universal message, but it's a personal message. And the way it becomes ours, the way that 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 justification through his resurrection becomes ours. The way that uh, our, our past sins are forgiven and that, that present power is imparted to us and that future hope becomes ours is by us personally receiving this. I have to personally apply this. I have to receive this risen Christ into my own heart, into my own life. No one can do that for me. And today I would just ask if you have done that. And if you haven't done that, I would say today is, could there be a better time than today? The day that we're celebrating the resurrection. What a day for you to be able to say, Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the dead. Jesus, would you be my savior? Would you give me that eternal life? It's as simple as that. It, it is as simple as a genuine heartfelt request to God that brings about all of the difference in the world that takes this from being just a story that we heard about to a reality that changes our lives both now and forever. Lord, thank you for the truth of the resurrection. Thank you that we have a living hope. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us so many things that confirm that this is indeed true all of the eyewitness testimony, all of the historical record. And Lord, we thank you for the prophecies in advance that this is indeed what you would do. We thank you for the transformed lives that testify. And Lord, we thank you that everything you said was confirmed to be the truth because you did rise. And we thank you, Lord, that there is today forgiveness for our past sins, that we're no longer weighed down by the guilt of our sin, that we're no longer condemned because of our sin, but you took our sin away. And you've given us your spirit and you've given us your power to walk in victory over the flesh. How we thank you for that and, Lord, for that living hope. Lord, that as maybe days get darker here, we know that the light is shining bright in heaven and we know that that is our home, that is our destiny because you live. You said we would live also and we rejoice in that today. And if you're one of those today who's with us, but yet you've never yourself 
ask that Jesus come into your life personally. You've never, you've never had that moment or maybe you did that sometime in your life, maybe as a child or something, but you, you've lost that connection and you'd like to receive or, or reconnect with Christ today. If that's you, this is your moment. This is your opportunity. Just pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, thank you that you died for my sins. Thank you that you've forgiven my sin. Lord, thank you that you've risen from the dead. And I pray that you would now cleanse me of my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Give me the victory over sin and death that you promised, and I thank you, and I praise you. Help me to follow you now all the days of my life. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you.